Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at ISBI360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. Welcome once again to the Crowdmakers. It's Bill Gertine, and I am here once again with two friends. And I'm really grateful for their time from the Association of Luxury Suite Directors. You may know them as ALSD. It is Amanda Verhoff, Executive Director, and Jared Frank, Head of Content and the publisher of Seat Magazine and Between the Seats from ALSD. Jared, Amanda, welcome here to the Crowdmakers. Thanks for having us, Bill. Yep, most everybody in sports probably can say where they were on that day in March last year, where they kind of recognized that things were going to be shut down. Uh, where were each of you at that moment? And what was the situation? Yeah, Bill, I, I definitely remember where I was at. It was one of those moments for me. My wife and I were at Toyota Stadium uh, here in Frisco, Texas, to watch the U.S. women's national team against Japan in the final game of the She Believes Cup. And COVID was certainly in the news by that time. We were all mindful of it. There was even the first presumptive positive test earlier this week or earlier that week, pardon me, in the Dallas area. So there really was sort of an odd feeling being there. And I'm not certain I can really put that feeling into words. Amen. Amanda, do you remember where you were? Mine is definitely not as sexy as that. And Jared, I'll be your fact checker. Just go with it. Um, Look, mine's not a specific date, but it it involves Jared, right? So I was set to do a presentation and it was at the end of March. And so I'm looking at flights and travel and all that. And early March rolls around. And I remember talking to Jared about it. And he said, Amanda, this could be real. Like you need to do what's in your best interest, you know, for, for you and your family and for safety. And I remember it was almost like, so the day we were, we were chatting that day, boom, they said, meeting canceled. We're not doing it anymore. And I'm like, okay, good. Glad I didn't buy my flight yet. Uh, and that's all she wrote. Like, you know, and then I got to thinking, we're the sports industry. We're on TV. We're so obvious. Like we are the publicized canary in the coal mine. When sports shut down, the country knew it was real. And so I think it's a collective moment that our sports industry gave people the know, hey, this is real and we need to really pay attention and do what's safe for everybody. Yeah. So many decisions had to be made very quickly in stadiums and venues around the world when everything first started happening. There was work from home issues. There were structural changes, safety protocols, all sorts of things. As you talk to the many teams and venues that you do today at ALSD, what strikes each of you as to what most people got right during the pandemic and what most venues would probably admit today that they got wrong. Well, I'm going to go on the, what's what they did. Right. And that is as cliche as it might sound reading the room teams and venues knew their clients and they knew if they were struggling or even doing well during the pandemic because of that human element, right? Premium, you know, your clients uh, in and out, you know, their business, you know, their personal lives, et cetera. And so if a client had to lay off employees, 
you know, teams who emphasized that and didn't, didn't talk about contractual items or coming back to games, that wasn't the winning recipe, right? Like the pandemic hit people professionally and personally. Real loss happened in many companies um, that entertain at their sports venues. And so the business of sports sat dormant, you know, while many healed their wounds, you know, literally and figuratively, to be honest. And, you know, when sports returned, it was, it was keeping a pulse on the real world. There were some, some companies and, and industries that did well, um, all due respect, you know, throughout the pandemic. There were DIY companies, construction, tech, you know, they were all growing and looking at the reinvestment into sports, you know, but teams and, and venues still had to tread lightly. It wasn't necessarily a time to talk contracts and long-term plays. You know, it was time to, to give the clients what they wanted ask what would help them. And, you know, obviously they had to also the teams and venues watch out for their bottom lines. I'll make one mention of something that I found an anecdote that was a little surprising. We talked to a venue who didn't reach out to their clients. And I thought about that for a second and he must've read the room. He must've known that his clients probably didn't want to be reached out to at that time about sports. And so he gave them space. And I think that was a departure from what some other venues did and staying close to their clients. Again, a, a cliche that's a, a bit overused now, but he attested to the time not being right. And he didn't check in. He stayed at arm's length. And that, that example, as he explained it to us, was met with a positive response. So we understand that you know, no, there's no one size fits all here. And truly reading the room is I think what a lot of teams got right. And Jared, I don't know if you, you echo that or have different sentiments. COVID definitely rewarded existing strength and forced a lot of weak hands to fold. Um, I know we're talking about sports business on this podcast, but if we can talk about the action on the field for a second, think about the teams that won championships last year, the Lakers with LeBron, the Dodgers, who are always good, um, Alabama in college football dynasty, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, you know, the GOAT. So the best of the best found a way to get it done. Uh, those with established cultures, established leaders, um, mentally tough players, resiliency, hyper-focus, discipline, you know, all these attributes that we uh, assign to winning formulas, you know, all these things were required to win any year and they were rewarded that much more in 2020. If, if you didn't have those things, I mean, you just, you didn't have a shot to compete yeah. because the distractions were just too many. Uh, the protocols were, were draining to even those who are the most strong-willed people. So uh, the cream rose to the top, as they say. And I believe there's a through line to sports business and any other business or organization. If you don't value culture with commitment and have strong leaders and strong communication and a get it done mentality and identifying purpose and supporting that purpose in all you do, if you don't value those things now after the last 15 months that we've all gone through, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you got it wrong is the, to answer your question directly, Bill. Um, those organizations who got it right, prioritized those intangibles and from senior leadership on down really empowered their people to keep moving forward. Yeah. Well, as everybody resets now, ALSD is set to hold its annual conference and trade show. Uh, you'll be in Las Vegas in mid-August, and that seemed like a pretty gutsy move back in March. But boy, you guys are looking like geniuses now. 
Uh, very top drawer affair. You had over 1,300 decision makers at the show that was last in 2019 uh, here in my hometown of Chicago. Uh, you added a design and build category several years ago for architects and designers. This year, you've added another component, which is a sports tech division. And that's to showcase the latest technology that's being introduced, like touchless payment ordering systems, ticketing, parking, or parking uh, lots of other things that are going on in tech. How did you come to add that new component to the show? As you just stated, the 31st annual ALSD conference and trade show will be August 15 through 17 at the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Education, networking, venue tours, you know, the works. Um, and it will, as you stated, once again, include the eighth annual sports venue design and build forum running in conjunction. And as that additional layer, uh, we bolted on the technology division to share best practices for all those trends that were likely going to happen anyway, but accelerated in the pandemic. Talking about crowd intelligence and all things mobile, including food and beverage and uh, lockers for food and beverage pickup and kiosks and grab and go markets. And, you know, I could just go on and on if I kept thinking about it, but we'll be covering all of these topics uh, to help teams uh, increase revenues and operational efficiencies after a lost year. Uh, this conference is really an opportunity to make up an entire lost year in three days. Uh, so it's, it's going to be intense, um, but in the best way possible. Cool. Amanda, well, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but please yeah, do. Yeah, of course I do. Because what Jared is trying to say, that, that Vegas in August is going to be hot in more ways than one, right? <laughs> All the ALSDers are going to be there. I Yeah, I have something to add because you, you left out the who that we added to the show this year. The one and only Bill Gertine said like 13 is going to be our MC for the event. Like, look, you got to give, you know, props and credit where credit's due, right? It's an example of, of us staying close to our customer throughout. Leaning on you, man, you've been a mainstay uh, in sports training and presentations and everything else. And through the pandemic, uh, I, I got to just pat you on the back, man. Like you upgraded your studio. You did a lot virtually. You did a lot in the virtual presentation space to meet the demand. And we, we, we see you, we hear you, you know, you had your finger on the pulse and, you know, we knew that it, it shouldn't slip past everybody to know that, that your ISBI team and, and your training and you personally and professionally have really upgraded things. And again, read the room, as I stated earlier. So we're proud that, that Bill Gertine and ISBI and the whole team is going to be there as, as best in breed trainers leading the charge this year. And with you as our MC, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I don't know if like, you know, Vegas headdresses or things like that, or, you know, in the mix, but we would be more than happy to, to see, you know, some surprises from you, Mr. MC. So I'll toss it back to you. I wanted to give you some, uh, some props. Yeah. Some of the budget restrictions that I may have for dancing girls and such may be cut back, but uh, the headdress will still stay. That's good. I'm looking forward I to some of this. Well, thank you for the props and, and it will be fun. And I'm truly looking forward to doing some of that work with all of you uh, and really bringing some flair, I think, to this year's show, because I think all of us could use a good time together. And that's really the, part of the, the real beauty of what's happening here in mid-August in Vegas is that we all get to see each other for the first time in a year and a half or more. So that's so, so in speaking of that. So much has changed in this past 18 months. We've had some winners and losers in terms of companies and industries that we have worked with. Uh, certainly ALSD has. Uh, many of the teams 
have dealt with specific categories of businesses that may have been losers over the last 18 months. There are some that have gained and perhaps are now new prospect categories because of the pandemic. Uh, what do you see as emerging or hot business categories for suites and for high-end seating right now? Yeah, great question. And I'll tell you that, you know, we're doing some work with some companies right now, as well as those who will be presenting at the conference. And I mentioned this uh, at the, the top of the show and that, you know, some industries, as you point out, unfortunately didn't do well, had layoffs, um, you know, just didn't keep up through the pandemic for many reasons. But the industries that did do well, again, were DIY, construction, technology, um, you know, food and beverage to an extent um, really had an evolution during the pandemic. And I think we're proud to see, you know, where things are coming out of that, you know, the ghost kitchens and things of that nature. Um, so those are exciting to see. But I'll also say that, you know, there's there's ones that you may not necessarily think of cleaning services, um, you know, your, your HVAC and things like that, that people are now paying more attention to. You know, and lastly, activities that are done from home have truly thrived. You know, so those are some of the industries to look into. But what I want to add is, is um, which, which will come as specific to the industries, but at the show we're going to work with, and this is not an endorsement of certain companies over the others, but just examples of those that are going to present industries and demographics and lead gen. There's, there's companies like Wealth Engine and Full House Solutions and the Winback and companies like Forefront, Aspire, they're all studying this industry and determining what particular industries are going to come back stronger and which we should be researching right now. You know, there's also companies like, you know, your season shares and sweet pros and sweet hops that deal more in the, the, the sweet sales space. So there's not just the industries, but the utilization of tickets and, and data abound, right? Like it's a no brainer that our teams and venues need to be collaborating with all these different companies and determining what their strategy and solution is going to be to really understand the adaptation and evolution of the marketplace. You know, and I'll say, you know, kind of one, one final thing is that in my opinion, and, and I, I'll leave it to you guys to validate or not, there's kind of a new guard um, entering the space, right? A different type of buyer. The buyer is getting younger, they digest marketing and media differently and their buying habits are different too. They're online. They want turnkey. They don't necessarily want a phone call. You know, some are buying over text. Some are buying on their computers and mobile devices. Added to that, you know, if a suite and premium sales, you know, if it, if it isn't utilizing an effective digital strategy, well, you're probably going to miss some new buyers, right? Because that's where they're looking. And, and finally, I'll say that there has been a bit of a, a metamorphosis or shift, if you will, from the long-term lease, which isn't necessarily going anywhere, but to per event. People are exploring, companies are exploring per event, flex plans, shared plans, resell. So we have to embrace all those changes and shift our staff, most importantly, which I think we'll get into here shortly, but shift and adapt your staff to accommodate all of the, the evolution that's going on in the industry. Just some other industry categories that come top of mind, um, cloud computing, data storage, cybersecurity, um, logistics companies, anything in the crypto sphere. Uh, that includes financial firms looking to establish crypto funds and leaning on client entertainment as one of the tools to do that. Um, you know, I don't think I'm splitting any atoms here. You know, basically any companies that have done well in the past 15 months. Uh, I'll also offer one word of caution 
to the listeners. And that's that we've had conversations suggesting that some corporate business isn't going to come back this year. And I don't like saying that out loud, but it's something that we need to talk about and be aware of. Um, But we are seeing an increase in buying from high net worth individuals. Um, You know, some corporations in some states are just not going to come back as fast as we want them to be for the industry. You know, Um, anecdotal example, my wife works for a Fortune 1000 company headquartered on the West Coast, and they are not anticipating going back to their office until January 2022. And uh, they need special clearance to go on any business travel. So as long as policies like that are in place, they ain't coming into your suites. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. But again, I believe we can make up for it with the surge in pent-up demand from individual buyers. So that might mean more suite rentals than suite leases in 2021. But um, if we're being honest with ourselves, that was a trend already in place and not one created by COVID. Yeah. Many people would say that COVID just sped us up by five or seven years, perhaps in adapting some of these things into regular common occurrences. So uh, to your point, uh, we're just seeing that uh, trend just moving a little faster than it was. So great points all and appreciate you guys' comments on that. So as we all get back to seeing sports, as we all love, uh, we're going to ma- wear masks sporadically, of course. When we get now, we're getting back to 100% capacity, which is great. Most venues are going to have to continue to apply these prudent safety measures. No matter where you are around the world, you're going to have some sort of things in place. With the many people you're talking to, what will fans be experiencing that will be different when they go into suites and luxury boxes right away if they go back for the first time in, say, a year or two? I'll jump in there, I guess, on this one, um, because I have a little bit of a contrarian take on this. And I don't actually think it's going to be that much different or as different as we might think, at least. And that might be a boring answer for for your audience, but Uh, it might be the most exciting answer. (laughs) Um, Looking at this through the lens of, you know, human psychology, human motivations, I just don't see an incentive or frankly, a need to make big changes permanently. And if you'll allow me to zoom out for a moment, I think it's important to point out, uh, I don't want those comments to come across as, as callous towards those impacted by the virus. You know, I live in a state that has largely been open for a while, uh, but I live in a house that has been very, very cautious until just the past month or so after everyone got vaxxed. So I have respect for things like emerging variants. And, you know, we had uh, a couple of very close family friends uh, contract COVID earlier this year, and um, we almost, we almost lost them. So we are certainly impacted directly. And my heart goes out to, to anyone and everyone with, with their own COVID stories, but uh, taking a step back from the emotion side of it and making observations first, in my own home and then in my own community. Um, What I've witnessed is the closer one gets to a fear, the less scary it becomes. So 
the more people get out, the more often they get out, the more their vaccines hold up and prove effective, the less different it's going to be. That's just my opinion. You know, the reopening is going to be a crescendo. And quite frankly, you know, we're already in it. Um, now, with respect to your question, you know, what will be different? Um, I've learned more than ever um, about disinfection. <laughs> uh, everything from manual wiping to electrostatic spraying to UV light treatments. I do believe those standards and the theater of clean that's been established, those, those things will and should persist. And not just in venues, but in team offices, in training and practice facilities as well. Um, I'll comment specifically on UVC just because I've, I've done a little bit more research on that area in the past year, uh, both permanent and portable solutions. Uh, permanent UVC light fixtures are being installed in training facilities and they're not just COVID killers. They protect against all pathogens, including things like MRSA, which we've seen end the careers of players. Um, we want to protect those players. And um, this is a way to help mitigate that risk. Um, I've talked to teams who are providing their players and everyone in their travel parties with portable UVC devices that they can use to disinfect their hotel rooms. So there's this heightened awareness on keeping everyone safe and not just fans, but staff and players too. And not just physically, but mental health as well. Um, I believe that's the lasting legacy of COVID-19 that uh, we now prioritize health and wellness holistically in a way that you know, we never did before. Cool. Mando, what might you add to that? Sure. Well, I, I don't know that it's going to be too supplemental because I'm going to stick on the sanitization and cleaning and all of that. But where practice facilities were, I think, a couple of years ago is where the actual facilities are now. Because as Jared pointed out, we are prioritizing the health, not just of our athletes now, but of the entire population coming into our venues. And so you're going to see venues that are GBAC certified, are using ISBI, are going to the authorities on cleaning and sanitization and certification that truly know what it means to have that, that clean, safe venue. And so again, I think we took the page out of the practice facility and team ops book and brought it to the fan facing side of the business. And so that's what I'll say uh, as the only supplement that I have to what Jared already stated very well. Yeah, very good. Well, staffing has become a huge issue now in 2021. Many people in the industry thought there would be this huge amount of people available, all this talent, once things began to return to full capacity. And we're not finding that the case, uh, both on the sales and the service side of live events have suffered from that. What are teams actually experiencing in staffing? And why do you think it's been so hard to predict this? So it's interesting. We're actually doing a study right now. We have a, a reference manual that we do that traditionally is annual, which we took a pause on it for obvious reasons for the last year or two. But we have a category in there that talks about staffing. And it's the number of salespeople and the number of service people, the number of rental, et cetera. We're, I think, going to be able to do a really cool analysis of where that was two years ago and where that is now. Because I think that, again, sales and service is beginning to blend a bit because the renewal is so powerful. 
right? So I think we might see more service, more rental, et cetera. You're never going to have fewer salespeople. Don't get me wrong. You're going to need more salespeople probably with the way that Jarrett and I explained what's going on in the industry. But again, I'm just anxious to see what that data will prove. Um, but I'll, I'll say a couple things here. We've all seen LinkedIn blowing up, right? Which is so exciting to see all the different positions that are being hired for. I have seen a lot of the, the managerial level and the AE level and all of the, uh, even kids coming out of college that really have the opportunity right now to sink their teeth into an entry level position. But there are a lot of leadership positions open as well as people make some changes, some departing from the industry, um, some departed out of necessity. I don't think they necessarily wanted to, but unfortunately they had to. And so sports, again, just by happenstance, lost some good talent over the last year. Um, and it, it is what it is. I hate that phrase, so I can't believe I just said it myself. But again, we now have to kind of reinvent how we either train or produce our premium salespeople. What's really interesting is without using names, I heard from someone who's been in the industry a long time yesterday. And he said, everyone's trying to recruit premium salespeople at the same time, which is amplifying the challenge that existed pre-COVID. He said, so there's not a harder position right now to recruit for than a premium seller because so many are, are after that, right? And so he made a really good point. And I, I kind of wish I could use his name, but I didn't ask him to, so I won't. But he said, instead of hiring them, build them. Said another way, train them. Bill, I think you might know something about that. So uh, yeah, I think that there's a way to build premium. Premium sales and service people are, are a, a certain ilk, right? There's that B2B, there's that relational. And oftentimes you have to take a, a certain step if you're selling tickets to understand what that B2B is gonna be like. Another thing too that I'll point out is if you didn't grow up with luxury, it's hard to understand what it is, whereby hard to sell it right? We had a speaker in 2013, which he raised some eyebrows and I'm, I'm putting that lightly. He's, he asked the room, you know, who grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth? Most people didn't, right? And he, he basically asked the question saying, then how do we know what it is in order to be able to sell it? And so it's interesting to me, like, wh why do we just have to look at sports to hone the skills of, of our premium salespeople and service people and hire the right ones. Why aren't we necessarily looking at, and, and a lot of think people and teams and venues are, don't get me wrong, but we should be looking at the Ritz, Tiffany's, yacht sellers. Those that know luxury, have sold luxury, have perhaps purchased luxury, or were born you know, with some type of, of deep understanding of what luxury is, right? So I think we need to, um, you know, I got to say this all due respect with the sports industry because we, we have incredible sellers and service people, but spread your, your wings a little bit and look at those in other industries as well, just to see if they have the chops and, um, you know, the resources to understand our industry and what premium is. Lastly, I'll say, look for that person who knows how to use digital marketing and understands data. Those two things are extremely important in premium these days. And so find me that person and write them a check, right? Uh, I'll toss it to Jared here momentarily, but you know, it's funny that you said at the top of the hour, this is going to be Starbucks hour. How about we look at some of those people, the people who are on the front lines who have satisfied customer demand and high paced environments, hire them. Somebody who's worked at Starbucks, who knows that if you get a Starbucks order wrong, guess what? You're probably going to hear about it, right? I know for, for a fact, because we did a member highlight on her, a gal that works for an MLB team. She said, I worked at Starbucks and set the record for most number of people that we got through the drive-through line in 60 minutes. 
And it's like, that's the person you want, the competitive, maybe the former athlete, the one who knows how to work frontline service type of industries, get it done and understand and the clients want what they want. We'll be back for the second half right after this. Hi, this is Bill Gertine. I've been training the ticket sales departments of sports and entertainment for almost 20 years, and I love what I do. But everywhere I went, the story was always the same. We loved what you did. You got us fired up. But after a while, we kind of lost the spark and we went back to the same old, same old. Well, not anymore. ISBI 360 is the first and only digital training network created exclusively for the specific long-term career needs of sports and entertainment professionals. Our seven different unique certification programs include the fundamentals of success in the industry like ticket sales, sponsorships, social media, customer service, and leadership all trained by industry experts like Brett Zalaski, Debbie Nolan, Misha Scher, and Seth Rabinowitz. ISBI 360 uses a unique four-stage learning process, including cutting-edge micro-learning videos, live recorded role plays, live coaching from industry experts, and an ongoing reinforcement program to make sure the learning sticks and forms the habits that your people need to grow and excel faster. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Check out what's different about ISBI 360 today. Well, as you talk about staffing, much of that is coming out of college now. The classes of 2020 and 21 have had very different internship experiences in sports jobs than those who were in 2019 and earlier. Uh, how should young professionals who want a career in sports be positioning themselves now to be more in tune to what teams need today? Because they haven't had the luxury of those internships. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there first. Um, I don't think it's specific to sports. When I, when I am asked to give advice for young people, um, it's often not specific to sports. So those that know me best likely won't be surprised by the answer, but read. That's my best advice. Read. Read all you can. Read all the time. Read everything. Read all the industry publications. Read business books. Read fiction books. Challenge your point of view. Challenge your intellectual conditioning. Um, that's my best advice to anyone, whether you're a young professional or a veteran. Those employees who can express themselves well and intelligently and can communicate clearly both verbally and in written form without emojis. <laughs> Those are the employees that are most interesting, most productive, most hireable. Be very intentional with who you're surrounding yourself with and uh, ensuring that they're the kind of people that you want to be. Um, and that goes both ways. You have to return that favor. You have to be the kind of person, the people that you spend time with want to spend their time with. Um, lastly, networking. The best time to explore a new job is when you have a job. Always be seeking to enrich those relationships, whether you need something from that relationship at this time or, or not. Um, always first consider what you can give that relationship, not what you can get from it. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, what goes around always comes back around, right? So um, 
always assume that when you meet someone, you will see them again. And everything that you say will earn interest over time, either positive or negative. So look, what you said, I'm going to dovetail into to my answer too, because I think the skill of communication is one that's lost these days, right? Because we're, we're so familiar with, and so in, you know, in tune to using our mobile devices that the skill of communication is lost. In college, I work w- with my mentor who I, I still now communicate with, teach with, and, and do some interviews with. He counted the ums, likes, us, et cetera, in our presentations. And you lost a point for every single one. Imagine as a college kid, when you go in and do a presentation, the number of times you say, um, like, like is the big one. Now drop that. So that skill of communication is a good one. And that leads into your authenticity. And that authenticity is grown from what Jared talked about. Until you read enough, have enough knowledge about what you can want and should be talking about, you're not going to be intelligent enough to talk about much. So ask questions. In addition to reading, ask questions. Our board president, Michelle, Kajwar always says to remain curious, do that. That's part of networking. That's part of educating yourself. Also on the authenticity side, when I go into interviews and I take a page out of my dad's book here, I start the interview telling the person that I want to interview the person, not the interviewee. Meaning I don't want your canned answers. Tell me something about you. Take a breath, tell a joke. Don't give me canned answers because we need to know who you are to be able to hire the true authentic you. I will say lastly, my mentor, um, Dr. Teitelbaum at UD, he said something to me the other day and probably he said this to me before and maybe I just wasn't listening. So hopefully our listeners will today. And I've said this before on, on another podcast. So pardon me if this is repetitive for somebody. Write down your list of what you give a shit about. And he said it just like that. There's no sugarcoating it. If I write down that cooking and competitiveness and sports and, you know, whatever it is, write that down. Okay, if I'm passionate about food, competition, and helping people, why am I looking at sports and why shouldn't I be looking at a food bank or a nonprofit? So write down what you give a shit about because what you give a shit about is what you're going to want to pour your time and energy into in a professional walk, right? And that's where I think I may have missed before. Now, I think I got into the right industry uh, kind of by happenstance because I love sports. I love the competition and I'm in an industry where I get to talk to every sports team in in the country and and international as well, but I never truly wrote that down. And so I would encourage job seekers to do that. That's not going to help you necessarily get a job in premium, but it will tell you what you care about and what you can, can put all your energies into. Fair enough. Well, I generally like to wrap up these sorts of things because this has been great information, gang, by doing a little bit of a fill-in-the-blank rapid-fire question and answer. So each of you get this, and Jared, you'll start, and then we'll bounce back and forth. And uh, Amanda, you'll be the first one on the second question, so back and forth so you guys understand the the order in which this is done. So first thing that comes to mind, Jared, favorite binge watch during the pandemic? Oh, my God, this is embarrassing. But the first thing that popped into my head was Tiger King. God damn it. I wish. I oh, Jerry. Really? Yeah. I did read a lot of books though. All right. Well, the sidewalk ends does not count, but okay. We'll give you that. Um, I don't, I don't do a lot of shows either. So I'll, I'll go mayor of East town. Cause it's the one that I watched most recently with my husband, Steve. And the, <laughs> we had to laugh because we were, we were trying to figure out if the accents that they had in the show were real. And so we talked to people from, you know, that area. And they said they're, they were pretty on point, to be honest. So Mayor of Easttown, if you know Kate Winslet from the Titanic, obviously she's incredible in that show. Besides sports, the one thing you've missed most during COVID, Amanda, you're first. 
Oh, gosh. Well, okay. So I grew up on airplanes. My my mom worked for the airlines when I was little. So we went everywhere. I mean, we went to New York to shop for homecoming dresses, you know, because we could, right? In college, and Jared can attest to this too, we traveled all the time. We both played sports. And so we were on airplanes all the time. I haven't been on an airplane in 15 months. And I'm not going to say that I, I totally miss it because there's some things that we all hate about, you know, flying on airplanes. My wallet thanks me because every time I go somewhere, I have to buy my kids stuff. But getting back on an airplane, traveling to somewhere cool, I cool. certainly could, could get. Jared, do there. you? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely an extroverted introvert personally. So I was. I was born for quarantine, but uh, I did miss just going out to dinner. Seems insignificant when you do it a couple of times a week, but then when you go without it, uh, you understand how much you really miss it. Yeah. All right. The board game that you pulled out of the closet that you never thought would see the light of day in 2020. Scrabble. have some very intense games of Scrabble in the Frank okay. household. Um, I am not a very good loser, to put it mildly. I'm sure if Mrs. Frank listens to this, she will uh, have some comments to add. But um, a lot of intense games of Scrabble in the house. All right. Amanda. I spy. I spy fun with my little eye. Cool. Favorite musical artist on your workout mix? Amanda first. Well, first of all, I don't listen to music when I work out, which may come as a surprise. Pink, hands down. Um, right. and, and second is rap music anytime. Cool. Jared? I, I joined the Peloton tribe in 2020. And one of my favorite instructors on the platform is Emma Lovewell, because I love any and all of her playlists that include 90s rock music. All right. That doesn't sound like her real name. That sounds like a, a movie name of some sort. But uh, Live, learn, love well, as she always says. <laughs> oh, that's fun. The sit-down restaurant you have ordered delivery from most often during the pandemic, Jared. <laughs> There's a great Thai restaurant locally, uh, a Chinese restaurant that is located in the Star, actually. So... Uh, we've definitely been able to stay connected to uh, the Dallas Cowboys and, and their team headquarters and, and facility and mixed use development though, over, over there at the star. Um, they have um, great Tex-Mex options, great um, Chinese food. Like I said, Mediterranean started eating a lot of Mediterranean really found value in um, a meatless diet, which I never thought I would ever say. And I certainly still do eat meat, but less of it and uh, feel better for it. So uh, those are the styles of cuisine I think we tried the most and consistently ate over the last uh, 12 months or so. Man, Meatless, coming from a former meathead. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to pass on the, the question because I cook a ton and I have perfected a couple of fresh salads and a BLT. Ah, nicely done. Uh, just a couple more. The biggest hurdle you have to overcome in the next six months. Amanda first. Oh, holy cow, man. We're putting on a show. What do you think? Period. There's nothing more to say. Jared, do you? I can't think of a higher hurdle than executing an ALSD conference in a quote, normal year, end quote. Um, given the timelines and um, other challenges this year that uh, we look forward to to taking on, uh, It's it's got to be the conference. But um, that just means that when it happens and we do pull it off like, like we have for 
uh, 30 years previous to this, the reward will be that much sweeter. Excellent. Last one. One bold prediction you would have for the sports and entertainment industry going forward. Jeez. Day gone, Bill. You I couldn't know. have sent these to us in advance. Um, <laughs> that one I'm going to be stumped on, but it's I'm going to spontaneous go part of this. Hey, listen, I, I'm going to reframe, which I, I love. Meg Whitman did that in our, uh, she reframed a question. She, she said, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to reframe this. So I'm just going to ignore your question and give you a passion of mine in the next six months. And that's DEI. I, I am so excited to see in the DEI space where we're going with things. I saw a stat today that um, something about how open, more open now the country is to same-sex marriage. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see that when a person of color, for instance, is shot and killed, it's not a fight that is being fought by people of color. It's people of all colors that are fighting it for the equality, for the equity. And so that's something that I just hope continues to become normalcy in this industry is that it will at some point in our lifetime no longer become an issue, but there will be some normalcy that nobody gives a shit what, where you come from, who you are, what you do. You just need to work hard. Cool. Jared, from you. Um, I've always been fascinated with pricing. So I'll throw that out there as an answer. You know, it's both one I find industry and one I believe the industry has great opportunity to explore and improve as we continue to descend down this downslope of, of the pandemic, you know, pricing isn't just something you can make up. You have to do yeah. uh, copious amounts of qualitative, quantitative research, you know, lots of it on an ongoing basis. So uh, I think now is, is the time to do that. And a uh, bold prediction will be that um, more teams do the, the work. They, they do their homework. They put their time in, they revisit their pricing strategies and uh, um, price their inventory better on the other side. Excellent. Can't thank you both enough. Amanda Verhoff, Executive Director, and Jared Frank, Head of Content and Publisher of the ALSD, the Association of Luxury Suite Directors, who are getting together in Las Vegas for their live conference and trade show, August 15th through 17th at the ARIA. Thank you so much for being here as a guest on the Crowdmakers. Thanks for the opportunity, Bill. We'll see you in August. We sure will. Bold prediction. Jared's going to have his beard in Vegas. If you enjoyed the program, please like us, share us with those you know, and hit subscribe on the podcast, and we'll let you know when another new episode is dropped. Your positive comments will help keep the Crowdmakers on the air. We'd be grateful for your five-star review. Got someone you'd like to hear as a guest on the Crowdmakers? Let us know, and we'll do our best to reach out to them. Drop us a note at info at isbi360.com. That's info at isbi360.com. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the first and only digital training network for sports and entertainment professionals. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Our chief engineer of the Crowdmakers is Ken Marinelli. Sean Quinn is our director of operations. Mark Yazowitz is the digital platform guru. And the executive producer of The Crowdmakers is Doug Quinn. I'm Bill Gertine. Until next time, thanks for listening, and so long for now. This is The Crowdmakers on the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.